Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. I am Jason Kong, and I have the pleasure, as always, of being alongside Nicole Cleggett, representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you today? You know, I, I'm, I'm doing all right. I just feel like I'm so behind this year <laughs> with everything. But how can that be? Because we're home more. Right. And you have less than a week until Christmas. That's so not, that's uh, not... I'm sure you've got that all no. taken care of. That's the first thing you took no. care of. No, and that's the problem. I'm just, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm just, it's just 2020. Yeah. I, I'm going to be all right. Everything's going to be fine. I'm okay. You're okay. We're okay. My hair is sticking out in every direction, but we're going to be... <laughs> I think everyone gets a pass this year. I think everyone gets a pass this year. And if, you know, worse comes to worse, just just blame it on UPS and FedEx. Just say, hey, I That's got your true. gift way early. That's I don't true. know what happened. Well, it must you know, be the pandemic. That happened, that, that happened with my birthday gift, which I got three months later from my husband, although I'm not so sure he really <laughs> purchased it when he said he did. But then again, his birthday was a few weeks ago and his gift still hasn't arrived and and you know so look so, it all balances out you know it's it was kind of interesting how that worked out he's like where's my gift well it's still in the mail <laughs> oh that's so funny and, it is funny you know we have to make light of the pandemic as best we can because you know if we took it serious all the time that would be uh that would be tough but it does it is impacting our life nicole and we're gonna spend some time talking about that and particularly about making most the most of our telehealth visits you know some of us uh either aren't able to make it to a doctor's office and sometimes the doctors would prefer us to be home and visit via telemedicine and telehealth so to have a discussion on this we've brought in vivian mclaurin and vivian is an aging life care professional with the preferred living solutions vivian thank you so much for joining us today Thank you. Good, good afternoon, Jason and Nicole. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. And, you know, this whole telehealth thing, I have been in love with te- telehealth for several years, and I, I feel like I was one of the first adopters before the pandemic. But this, you know, the, the whole idea of telehealth and really some of the changes that the federal government has made because of the pandemic to make things easier, I really hope it sticks. But I'm excited to hear your perspective about how caregivers in our community can really use telehealth and make it the best it can be for the people that they're caring for. Because we know, you and I both know, Vivian, that, you know, when people are out in the community, it, it takes a monumental effort to get that older adult out to the actual doctor's office. And I'm not saying physically going in person sometimes isn't the very best thing, but there is so much you can do with telehealth that I think people don't even think about. I agree completely. And I certainly jumped in with both feet um, starting around the end of March with my clients. Um, You know, most of my clients are... um, older in their 70s, 80s, 90s. A lot of them are still living in their homes. Um, They may or may not have an adult child or a caregiver um, or the technology to help with these telehealth visits. 
Um, however, we are all learning together this year, and I feel like we've come a long way. And when I say we, I, I mean the, the medical providers, um, you know, the seniors and, and those of us that are supporting um, seniors. And there are a lot of pros. Um, it is very convenient for those kind of routine check-in appointments or when you're not feeling well and you're not sure what next step to take. Um, it's certainly safe. You know, we've been trying to keep our seniors at home. Um, I know they're getting tired of being at home, um, you know, but it's certainly safer than getting them in the car and into a, an office building, into the doctor's office. Mm. And it's also cost effective. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. You know, we're, yeah. And, yeah, ti- and time is paying. money, too. I mean, I mean, you think about all the time that it takes to get a person up and ready and out the door and then drive them there and then sit in the waiting room or urgent care or the ER or whatever it may be. And then you finally see the doctor for five minutes and then you're back on your way back home. It's, you know, that just the hours that it consumes alone is is just tremendous when you're when you're doing the whole in-person thing as well. Yeah, exactly. And caregivers, you know, whether it's a, an adult child or, you know, another relative to, to take off work for, I mean, it's a half day, you know, that you usually mm-hmm. end up taking off to, to take your loved one to a doctor's appointment. And, um, and now you're, you're also stretched and stressed with working from home and caring for kids and, and trying to care for, for um, aging loved ones too. So, there, there, I've seen a lot of benefits to, to telehealth visits. You know, one of the things um, I remember when I first adopted the whole telehealth thing, before even insurance would even dare to touch it, I just looked at it and I said, we, actually, we had a guest here on the radio show. I think it was ReliMD. I still have the app on my phone. And shortly thereafter, my, my child got this strange little rash on his leg. It was, I believe it was some sort of an insect bite, if I recall correctly. And I remember it was the middle of the flu season, and I'm like, I really don't want to bring him to urgent care <laughs> because he's going to go in there with just this little bug bite that probably needs some – it looked like it was getting infected or something. That needs a little antibiotic, and he's going to walk out with the flu or bronchitis or whatever. And, I, and so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try this ReliMD, and I did. And, you know – I swear they were on the call within five minutes. They are like, show me the bug bite on his leg. Yep, he needs an antibiotic. And they ordered it to my pharmacy and I went through the drive through and away we went and nobody got sicker. <laughs> so I was just like, this is such a win. <laughs> yeah, win win for sure. So, te- but telehealth has really learned- expanded, correct? It's not just for the doctor's appointments. And I'm sure you've even been able to, to do this with families, right? I mean, typically people would picture folks in your capacity, which is, I'm sure, ideal still, but going out to the home and, and you know, being there with, with the loved one. But has it even kind of broadened its uh, field to, you know, the, the, the people like you, the more uh, on the social side of things, you know, trying to meet with families and come up with plans? Absolutely. We've even coined the term telecare management now. Mm. Um, you know, we are able to meet with families. Um, I, I mean, that has probably been one of the most rewarding things for me is to be able to, through Zoom um, or, you know, FaceTime, um, convene a family meeting with um, adult children, you know, siblings that are living in different states. Um, and, and even the, their mom or dad all on the Zoom 
together for a family meeting um, and to touch base. And I've had families say to me at the end of those Zoom family meetings, this is the first time we've seen one another in seven months. This has been great. Thank you so much. Um, You know, and um, (laughs) there's um, a lot to be said for Zoom. Um, for a family meeting because sometimes things can get a little tense and stressful and people have the ability to turn their video off for a minute if they need to collect themselves, which they can't do if we're all, you know, around the kitchen table together uh, and, you know, kind of pull pull themselves together and then turn their video back on and and kind of, you know, rejoin uh, in person. And I think, too, you know, I feel like sometimes those family caregivers that are the ones that aren't the the ones that are sort of the day in and day out family that might be the local one with the loved one, the ones in the other states, the long distance caregivers. You know, I feel like this could be a potential solution for the future because I think sometimes families really do want to be involved, but there's this the the whole obstacle of or the hurdle of the distance, right? And so, you know, I hope one of the things that stick after the COVID-19 pandemic is that we can maintain some of these connectivity options to include people that are in the broader caregiving circle to really help support that primary caregiver and then also feel like they have a role in helping to make decisions for their loved ones. Absolutely. We, uh, I have a, a caregiver, it's a wife caring for her husband that um, sadly has early onset uh, dementia and they were um, out of town. He had a fall. Um, he ended up in rehab in another state. Um, she had to come back home to attend to some, you know, business in, in, at her home. And we were trying to figure out how well he was doing so that we could set up the right care for him when she brought him home. And we were able to use video and FaceTime to um, work with the physical therapist and to actually see the progress that her husband was making and we were able to show that physical therapist some of the ideas that we had for the home so that we can ensure the most safe and successful discharge back to home possible. And I'm telling you, that gave that wife so much peace of mind. I think sometimes there's a little hesitation, and and we've seen this even with some of this remote learning, to allow people a window into the home and have the video on. And we, frankly, we even ran into a little bit of that with the caregiver summit. Some of the caregivers that signed up, they said, well, you know, when we're part of the virtual summit, we don't have to show our house, do we? And, And, you know, the answer was no. So I think part of it, too, is making sure that people understand if you don't want the video component, it can be audio. Um, and things of that nature, just to make people comfortable with the idea that they can still participate if they don't feel comfortable with people seeing their their home environment, correct? Oh, absolutely, yes. I mean, there's all those options. And, you know, one thing that has not gone away during the the pandemic is the need for um, privacy and to make sure that all the HIPAA authorizations are in place and that we are respecting, you know, everyone's privacy. Yeah. And that's something that as we use this more and more, we'll become more comfortable with it. And, you know, the healthcare professionals will get better and we'll get better as patients as well. She is Vivian McLaurin. She is a aging life care professional with Preferred Living Solutions. If you'd like to find more about them, be sure to go online to Preferred Living Solutions dot com. Preferred Living Solutions 
Com. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett and Nicole... um, Often when we talk about caregiving journeys, uh, when people hurt themselves or enter a a long-term care scenario, oftentimes we hear that what may have precipitated this was a fall. And we're going to now focus on fall prevention with home modifications. And to do that, we've brought on Jane Sizemore. Jane is an occupational therapist with Designing Independence. Jane, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, falls are such a big problem. And I, I was just sitting here thinking about, you know, the, the three grandparents that I knew when, when, alive. My my, great, my grandfather on my mom's side passed away when I was two, so I don't really remember him. But all three ended up passing away as a result of a fall. Two broken hips and, and one fell in a bathroom and then was sort of recuperating for a while and ended up getting pneumonia because he was not up and around so much. So um, falls are a really, really, really big issue. And I am absolutely thrilled to talk to you, Jane. First of all, occupational therapists are probably like, and I hate to say this out loud because probably I'll get hit by a few people, but some of my most (laughs) favorite healthcare professionals because I just love the way you think and look at the world. And so I would love to hear about what we can do in our homes for people we are caregiving for to help reduce the risks of falls. Absolutely. And to speak to what you were saying as well, falls are one of the leading causes of hip fractures, and hip fractures are one of the leading causes of decreased independence and quality of life. Mm-hmm. And so that is why we're so passionate about that and the fact how many people end up being hospitalized over and over again due to a fall. So the thought process is, well, what can we do in their home environment to help decrease that risk? Um, and we always think about the fact that your risk factors, if you picture each risk factor as a building block and you're adding a block per risk factor, as your tower gets taller, you're more likely to have a fall. So the goal is to decrease those risk factors so you have a shorter tower in the building block analogy and therefore less likely to fall. Um, And so you wanna think about your environment and it can be something very simple just to taking out your throw rugs or rearranging your furniture so it's easier to get around your home or even just improving the lighting in some of the dim areas of your home. And then you can go much larger. So maybe that larger scale option is creating a first floor living space with a walk-in shower. Um, So there's so many different things you can do depending on your specific needs. I think about things that you know, I think sometimes are overlooked, like making sure a person has a chair that they're able to actually rise out of. And it may, maybe it's you'd get a a mechanical lift chair, maybe you get a chair that has super sturdy arms, or, you know, grandma doesn't sit in that 
you know, cozy couch that when you sit into, you feel like you're part of. I mean, I love sitting in those types of couches because then I feel like I'm I'm given a giant hug. But, you know, at some point, it's not going to be easy for me to get up out of one of those couches. Oh, absolutely. So, yes, we're always looking at the height of the seat mm-hmm. as well as the sturdiness of the seat. And, of course, with having the armrest makes it easier to get up than not having an armrest option. But even some people... Maybe they can't afford to switch out their couch or their chair, so we could recommend a couch cane, which is a device that will help them pull themselves up to standing. I think, too, you know, some of the things that I've noticed over the years when I've been in and out of homes of some older adults, and and, and it's really – it's nothing to be embarrassed about, but it's just sort of what happens. I even think about where I sit in the family room. I mean, there are times where I, I can, can kind of get into some of these situations myself, but it's, you know, you kind of put everything around you that you want to be able to grab because maybe it, it takes you longer to get up or you're expending too much energy. And so you start ending up having sort of these towers, uh, to your point, t- the building blocks that kind of go up and then you're going to fall more. There, there are quite literally towers in people's homes. Sometimes it's a tower of magazines and books and all kinds of different things that then the person uses to help maneuver themselves as if it was a chair rail to get from the couch to the next sturdy object to then the entryway into the kitchen to then the counter in the kitchen. And they sort of create this little way that they can hold on to something to get from point A to point B. And some of those things that they're holding on to are not at all sturdy. Oh, absolutely. We call that furniture walking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, truly, and and it's it's quite dangerous. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And sometimes it's hard to change our habits and to change out things that are great memories to us in our home. Mm-hmm. And so we always, you know, try to empathize with everybody and help them find things that are the most valuable to them, and try to reiterate that safety is more important sometimes than keeping the pile of magazines on the floor. So, so, Jane, if we could kind of walk into a different room together, I know um, statistically one of the rooms where there are the most falls are the bathroom. What are some th- what are some simple things, you know, you know, we've been in this COVID time for a very long time, and I know a lot of families have chosen not to place loved ones into long-term care communities until COVID sort of starts to go away. So they've created some awkward sometimes living situations in the interim when, when mom or dad really needs some help and it's just not safe to, to bring them home or to let them stay home. What are some things that we can do to help reduce the risks of falls in the bathroom? Because guess what? That's where my grandma grandfather had his fall. Um, And, uh, you know, what can we do to kind of help mitigate some of those risks? Yep. So first of all, the one thing I always want to point out is that many bathroom doors open into the room. And if you are able to reverse the hinges and open, have the door open out into the bedroom or whichever other areas on the other side of that, that will be a safer option in the event of a fall because if someone were to fall in the bathroom and it's a tight space, they might be blocking that door from being able to open. So that's the first thing I think about. I also generally encourage people to have some sort of motion activated lighting to help when they're getting up in the middle of the night. They're not fumbling looking for a light switch in their hurry to get to the bathroom. Another great idea would be to use non-slip traction strips as well as different products that you can apply to your tile to help decrease the slickness, especially, you know, after a shower, 
your floor is going to be wet and more likely to slip or trip in the bathroom in that scenario. Anytime that you can do your bathing in a seated position or have a standalone shower chair or potentially a tub shower transfer bench, that will also help keep you safe because it eliminates that need to step over into a tub shower. And then like you'll see in many different bathrooms, always having a grab bar is very helpful. And that grab bar absolutely has to be installed into the studs. Otherwise, it is not going to be able to withstand your weight in the event of a fall. So, so those are the main things. You can have those grab bars as well next to your toilet as well as in the shower. What are some things that families should be looking out for as warning signs that that person's tower is getting taller and we may be um, approaching a crisis? So many people will start to have a fear of falling. And you might see that demonstrated by decreased activity and things that they used to love or the fear of going up and down steps or going to new places where they're unfamiliar with the environment. So that would be the first red flag I would look for. But also if you start to see them dragging a foot or not picking up their feet very well when they're walking. Also, any new visual changes can be a red flag as well. Those are sites that we all need to be on the lookout for to make sure that we're caring for our our loved ones in the best way possible and to making sure that uh, we're all comfortable in our caregiving journey. She is Jane Sizemore occupational therapist with Designing Independence. You can find more information online at designingindependence.com. Jane, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. If you want to find more about Transitions Life Care, go online to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. Org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we don't always plan these shows this way, but we're sort of developing a theme here with staying at home. And, I know. You know it's, just, uh, it's just worked out that it's, way, which is pretty beautiful. cool. It's been beautiful. Yeah, exactly. I, love, I love it. It's just kind of chugged right along. Well, we're going to turn our focus now to is staying home the right option for you? And we've, uh, we're happy to welcome Ann Bradford. Ann is the Director of Home Care for Carol Woods, and she's also affiliated with A Helping Hand. Ann, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I love this topic. Um, I had a, a, about a five-year stay in the home care world in my career, so very passionate about you know trying to help people age in place for as long as they possibly can. So would love to hear some of your insights as having an entire career in the home care world about how to figure out if staying at home is the right option. Right. Um, Nicole, I have over 20 years of experience in the home care field. I was a geriatric care manager, 
supervising caregivers in the home, and then um, I was a director of home care agencies, both for-profit and not-for-profit models. And over the many years, I have been asked to assist older adults and their families in exploring the option of whether to stay at home or to make a move into some type of assisted living community. And so in that process, the questions that I use to explore the options include, you know, what are the advantages for an older adult who, who stays in the home? And I think most older adults have a strong desire to stay in their own home. Uh, they want to maintain their independence for as long as possible. Uh, they want to be in the home to continue that the experience, the joy of staying with their their spouse, their loved ones in their own home. They want to have that continued experience of of staying in their own community amongst their own their friends and their neighbors. You know, they just want uh, they want the familiar, and that this works for individuals who have really good support systems. Um, who have good resources, you know, both financially um, and emotionally. But another question that, uh, that we have to ask is what are the challenges for older adults who stay at home? And they often do not have that necessary support system right. in place to make, to make staying home an option. Yeah. And... Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, that's that's sort of the um, the rub, right? It's you know the desire, and I mean, you can't blame people for for wanting to be at home. But then, if you don't have the infrastructure built around you to make it possible, because the reality of it is, is most people um, are not going to pass away one night in their sleep suddenly. It's going to be this sort of slow downhill change of, of limited your abilities start changing physically and sometimes people have cognitive function changes as well or there's just a sudden crisis that changes everything in a moment absolutely absolutely and and um and some some folks you know they don't want to be um, a burden on their family you know they look at as you know they have family members who might be nearby but you know, does that family have a um, other obligations, and and certainly as you mentioned, there, there's the isolation. You know that many of uh, the seniors who live at home alone. There's not. It's not just a physical isolation, uh, but there's uh, an emotional isolation as well. And those physical changes you mentioned um, certainly play a part in this. When there's an increase for falls, um, when there's poor nutrition. And when when um, seniors need to be reminded to take their medications, and um, are they taking their medications properly as prescribed by the doctor? So you know those are those are huge huge concerns as well. You know, really really big issue is transportation. Yeah. And you know how if if the older adult is no longer able to drive, well, you know, how do they get food? How do they get their prescriptions? You know, how do they get to medical appointments? So those are all just huge um, concerns and issues um, that um, older adults are faced with. And so, you know, how do individuals, the, the older adults, the families find the right type of you know, there, there are options, but exploring them just seems so overwhelming 
individuals, you know, who find themselves faced with the need to make a decision about having in-home assistance or about finding uh, an appropriate assisted living situation. Well, and I think some of these conversations need to happen so much earlier than they do before there is the crisis and people are feeling mm-hmm. like there's this huge push. And frankly, I think when individuals have a diagnosis of something like, I'll just pick a few, Parkinson's, ALS, MS, uh, Alzheimer's. These are very early on when you first have a diagnosis of, of, of one of these, there is a typical trajectory of what this what will look like over a period of time. And I really feel like it should start from the diagnosis point that we start making a plan. Whose responsibility it is to kind of lay out what the future is going to look like? I think part of that probably lies on the uh, uh, primary care physician or the specialists. And then from there, there's a giant question mark to kind of be with that family to walk along with them on that journey. Because I think if you start having some of those conversations earlier on, about what to expect, then when the need is there, it feels a little less of a burden and you have a plan and you can execute the plan. Um, Working in crisis, which most people do, which most humans do, is incredibly difficult and stressful. Exactly. And and I, you know, when... when you when you come across that rare family that has made that plan to like what what the future can look like so therefore we're we're taking steps that's that is very rare because most of my experience in working with families has been in that crisis point where you know we're getting calls from people who are uh, being discharged from the hospital as you know as soon as that day and you know we can't we've just been told I can't go home without care I can't go home without assistance and and there's that that panic that oh my goodness what do I do um, and so it, it is so right that if we can if we can um, get folks out there to, to begin to think about um, what plans might be and to your point that when um, someone receives a diagnosis that part of a, a team that could maybe help them, okay, the, this is what it, the progression could be and here, here are what you can, should consider. And, um, you know, I think where social workers can play a big part in that in, in hospitals and rehabs and in home health and, and in hospice, um, as I'm sure you're aware that that's, you know, where people need that education of what how much assistance a hospice can provide for 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 personal care and that sometimes you have to partner with an in-home care agency well yeah and, and, and you know and you know part of the reason why this show exists is 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 because people really don't know what the resources are, and they don't think about resources until they're faced with the need. So really educating the base knowledge of the lay community to what's out there, I think, is incredibly helpful because a lot of times when families call us at Transitions Guiding Lights, it's they know there's such a thing as a nursing home, and that's kind of really all they know that's out there for potential care for mom or dad. And so then they are opened up to this world of so many different opportunities and resources and ways to get a workable solution um, that, you know, frankly, as a healthcare society uh, system, we don't really do a great job of educating that caregiver about the different ways to meet the goal. 
I yes, I, again, I completely agree with you, and that you know because we we're in this, and 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 I also have had personal. Uh, need to use my skills for for family mm-hmm. members that you know you do have to realize that most people don't realize you know I had a conversation with um, a wife this week who you know she's she got the whammy of husband hospital husband has terminal cancer diagnosis husband's going to go home on hospice and then knowing I need something, I'm so overwhelmed, I don't know what, what to do. And someone gave her a list of agencies. So she started calling them. So, you know, that, uh, to, you know, agencies to provide in-home, in-home assistance. So it, she just was so overwhelmed. So to have someone, a professional, to step in and say, Be, okay, this is what we do. This is what we do, and here, here is how we can help you. So when you're working with, um, a home care agency, you know, home care in the state of North Carolina is is regulated um, through the state. So you have that, there, that is, uh, has the oversight. And then, you know, agencies are an option um, for many people, but some people want to find a private individual, which, which can have risk. So there, those are options that are available to people. Um, there are, as you said, who's going to help um, take people through these processes, you know, and, and perhaps you've had on your show aging life care managers, you know, that's a professional that works with older adults and understands their needs, they're knowledgeable on a range of issues that impact the lives of older adults. So that's someone that can help go through those steps and, and help make decisions about or is care to be at home is it should we think about assisted living should we think about memory care so um i think you're absolutely right that that having the education in the community as soon (laughs) as possible uh and as much information as possible so people do know there there's a whole there's a whole world of us professionals out here um who are just ready to help yeah, being in a healthcare crisis or caregiving uh, crisis can be extremely overwhelming, and just knowing those first couple of steps or uh, areas to explore can be so very helpful when you're in those moments of being overwhelmed. She is Ann Bradford, Director of Home Care for Carol Woods and also affiliated with A Helping Hand. You can find more online about Carol Woods at carolwoods.org, carolwoods.org. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett and uh, Nicole. I guess we can't really say it enough, but things have just changed so much uh, in the landscape of our, our daily lives with COVID-19. And, um, you know, Nicole, I think it's just more important than ever for us to 
maintain mental health and, and mm-hmm. make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. Well, this is incredibly hard for people. You know, human beings are social animals. I mean, as much as we all say, well, I'm an introvert or I'm an extrovert or whatever, but any period of isolation is just really incredibly hard on it, mental health. And then with the fact that there's just so much out of our control and then our all of our routines have been completely flipped on their ears. You know, we have kids home and we're not to, or kids who are in daycare and at home or school or, you know, the aging loved ones, we're all concerned about those folks and the number of people, you know, applying for unemployment in this state is just exploding. And so there's just so much going on and it can be just totally incredibly overwhelming. And so um, it's just incredibly important to really do some things for yourself to really help you maintain that sense of control. And I'll, I, I laugh when I say this, but just even a simple thing of try to create a routine for yourself at home. You know, whether it's just, you know, wake up in the morning, make your bed, you know, actually get out of your pajamas. You know, th- there's a sort of a joke going on, uh, around online about, well, this is, you know, bra sales are going down because no women are even putting on a bra. <laughs> now, you know, I'm here in the studio. I do have a bra on. <laughs> But, you know, these are these are all things, you know, we have to try to remain some sense of normalcy, you know, try not to sit there and binge watch TV 12 hours a day, get outside and take a walk. We have a beautiful weekend this weekend and, you know, really try to get outside and spend some time in nature. Um, and, and really, one thing that I think is it's hard not to do because we all have our devices literally in our hands is take a break from the media. Now, not our show, <laughs> just kidding, <laughs> but, um, yeah, but take a break from watching, from reading, from listening to the news stories, including social media. I mean, if I look at my news feed on Facebook, every other post is about something to do with COVID-19 and, and it just, sometimes you just need to get away from it and just turn it off. Even if you need to turn it off for, you know, 12 hours, just to give yourself that mental break. Yeah, I think that's wonderful, a wonderful idea, Nicole, because, you know, we've, we've sort of gone through these waves where the 24-hour news cycle was uh, just pumping stuff out literally minute by minute. Mm-hmm. And, and going uh, live every second. Yeah, yeah. And uh, at some point, you sort of get acclimated to that, and you keep thinking, well, if I don't check, I'm going to miss something. And that's that's not the case. You know, you can take a break, and especially if it's causing you more anxiety than keeping mm-hmm. you informed, then, yeah, it's, it's definitely time to take a break. But, um, Nicole, I think you're you're exactly right about the mental health aspect. And I know a a lot of listeners and uh, people here at WPTF and Curtis Media Group have been talking to me about, well, you know, they've got loved ones who are uh, far away and they're worried about Mm -hmm. them and making sure that they're not too isolated. But uh, again, it's, it's not the time to go visit them. But hey, you can pick up the phone and call. You mm-hmm. can FaceTime, uh, video chat, whatever. There, there's plenty of opportunities there. And, you know, another way to reduce your stress and stress in others is really just checking the facts. You know, not every website, not everybody's opinion out there, op- opinions are opinions, and opinions aren't necessarily rooted in fact. But going to, like, the CDC website or the North Carolina Department of Human Services website to really actually understand, you know, number one, are you in the at-risk group? Okay. If yes, what does that mean? And what do I need to do about it? And if you're not, what does that mean? And what do I need to do about it? And really just 
trying to just focus on the things that we actually have that are known. Um, and, and unfortunately, and, and you know, all of our leaders in this country and in this state are, are grappling with kind of how to handle this. And so it is sort of changing day by day with restrictions and things of that nature. But just really trying to just stick to just trying to figure out exactly what the facts are and then how it actually impacts you. You know, I, I often, my husband and I sometimes get into conversations about, you know, global issues or nationwide issues. And sometimes just the thought of even trying to contemplate those things are incredibly overwhelming. And so brought into every single one of our living rooms now is this COVID-19 virus. And so I'm just trying to focus on every day, trying to do the next right thing and trying to do something that I feel will help somebody else. And it could be something like, you know, sewing those masks that you see a lot of the hospital systems asking for, donating food, you know, volunteering for Meals on Wheels to make some deliveries, even just calling on or calling up some of my older adult friends that I don't often talk to just to see how they're doing. Nicole, before we head out, I want to uh, just give you a chance to let everyone know that uh, uh, Transitions Guiding Lights is still going strong and yes, that if sir. people still need that as a resource, it is completely available to them. We sure are. We are considered one of those essential healthcare organizations. So regardless of what's going on all around us and the different types of businesses that need to close, Transitions Life Care will be here to serve all of our staff are working and connecting uh, family members to any resources that they need. We can provide any amount of education and support. And we are a free service uh, for the community. So all folks have to do is just give us a call at 919-371-2062, or they can certainly go to our website at guidinglightsnc.org and connect with us there. But we are still uh, operating, and if folks are in need of providing any type of care for their loved one and are needing um, us to connect them with a service provider, we can certainly do that. And we also have a whole host of online resources available to include a listing of all of these shows that can help educate folks on how to care for their loved one. Because despite what's going on with this virus, loved ones are still needing care, issues are still coming up. So we still have the normal stuff of life that's going on while we're all trying to work with COVID-19. Yeah, it's a, a lot to juggle. That website again, guidinglightsnc.org is the best way to get a hold of them. We are out of time for today. I want to thank our guests for joining us by the phone this evening. Uh, we really appreciate them accommodating our, accommodating our social distancing that we're practicing here at WPTF. We are out of time for today, but you can find more information about the show and find replays and past episodes of Aging Matters at WPTF.com. Click on the podcast button. There you'll find Aging matters and you can view the full archive of episodes there on behalf of nicole cleggett i'm jason kong thanking you for listening to aging matters care and comfort that surrounds you a service of transitions life care it's your life your care on wptf have a great night you've been listening to aging matters care and comfort that surrounds you on fm 98.5 am 680 wptf for more information log on to transitionslifecare.org